thank you, Father, that you sent your Son for us. And as the songs we've sung and as Rebecca has reminded us, that you see and you saw us as worthy of sending your one and only Son, your precious Son, Jesus, to die for us that we might have new life and have it in abundance. I thank you that you've poured out your Holy Spirit upon us, that we now live with you and we live in your power and in your freedom. God, I just pray that as I speak and attempt to testify to your work, that you would empower me to do so well and that you would empower Uh, this beautiful people to listen well um, and to listen not to me but to you to hear your voice and what you're calling us all to in Jesus awesome name we pray amen (coughs) so I've got two questions from the start Uh, the first is what does the Christian life look like okay that's question number one Question number two, how do we get there? Uh, For the last couple of weeks, we've had uh, an election polling, not polling, um, yeah, polling station down the end of the building here in the youth hall. And so people have been able to do their advance voting. Yesterday was election day, obviously, people were able to come in. And there were signs everywhere saying that the polling thing is down that end of the building. We had signs up here saying, go that way, go that way, go that way. Uh, but the number of people that kept coming to the front door was enormous. And uh, there was a moment sort of midway through last week, I was talking to the guy in charge down there, and he said, How, why is it that people can't see? You know, we put out all these signs sort of thing. Why can't people see, you know? Uh, And it sort of just dawned on me as a revelation, like, that we can know where we're supposed to be going, but for whatever reason, have the wrong perspective on how to get there. It was perfectly obvious to us, because we're in the building, and they're set up down that end, and they put the signs out, so they knew where they needed, where people needed to go, and I knew where they needed to go, but when people came, they still just sort of maybe blindly didn't see the signs or they just kind of went straight for the front door, uh, which is natural, it's understandable. Um, But it wasn't the way that they were meant to get where they were going. And I think you can have an idea of what the Christian life looks like. It may be a good idea, it may be a less than good idea, but you can be mistaken about how to get there. You can attempt to live the Christian life and and have a vision of what it's going to look like, but be kind of taking the wrong path to get there. So what does the Christian life look like? Or to put it another way, where are we going in our lives with Christ? Well, there are many possible answers, aren't there, from Scripture. We could look at the life of Jesus in the Gospels, for our model and our example. We could look at 
uh, the Sermon on the Mount as a sort of distillation of his amazing teaching about this upside-down kingdom in which we're meant to live. But today, and for the next nine or so weeks, we're going to be looking at what has been read out this morning, at what Paul writes in Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. One answer is that the Christian life looks like bearing that sort of fruit. It looks like us growing into those characteristics. But it's very important that we consider not just what the Christian life looks like, and we'll be taking a different aspect of the fruit each week. So this week I'm talking about love. Next week Wade's going to talk about joy and so on and so on. And it's important we don't just look at the, the thing, but we look at how we get there. Because it's all very good saying, oh, the fruit of the Spirit is patience. Uh, but what do we do when we realize how impatient we really are? You know, I had to. I realized that during lockdown. I'm going to be honest with you, uh, and with with my beautiful children, and uh, I had it just sort of shoved right in my face. I was sort of, uh, yeah, just really aware that I lacked patience. I got an idea of where I should be going. But if I'm not already there, how do I get there? Well, in Galatians 5, we've, got, we've actually got contrasting lists. Right? In verses 19 to 21, Paul writes, Now the works of the flesh are obvious. Fornication, impurity, licentiousness, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, anger, quarrels, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. And then he goes on to say, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But the key thing here, I think, is that Paul's not just comparing lists, okay? He's not just saying these behaviors bad, these characteristics good. We can read it that way. That's, that's a partial reading. But the real key here is that he's comparing different ways of living. That list of these negative behaviors, he calls those the works of the flesh. In Cheryl's very helpful translation, uh, the works of the sinful nature. These are things that come out of a life when we're living out of a sinful and fallen nature. But... The fruit of the Spirit are not just tasks that we're trying to complete. Okay, I'm ticking off joy for today. The things that are produced when we live our life in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, the Galatian church had accepted the gospel. They were believers. They were Christians. But by the time that Paul was writing to them, they had fallen backwards from the gospel in two different ways. 
Some were sort of flaunting the freedom that they had in Christ. And so it was leading them back into their kind of pagan way of life with drunkenness and orgies and fornication and licentiousness and envy and rivalries. How many of us, even though we really want to serve Jesus, end up stuck in sort of some some sinful patterns of behavior. And, and how often do we kind of justify it on the grounds of grace? You know, God's got grace. God, God's going to forgive me for this. I've been there. We probably all have at some point if we've lived a, a Christian life or tried to. The problem is this using of grace to justify the works of the flesh or the sinful behaviors. That's a, a misapplication of the truth, right? It's true that we're forgiven. It's true that we're free. It's true that because of Christ, our, our sin no longer separates us from God and He forgives us. 70 times 7 times. But then Paul already said in verse 13 of Galatians 5, You were called to freedom, brothers and sisters. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for self-indulgence. But through love, become slaves to one another. The other group in the Galatian church had reverted away from the gospel, but this time in the direction of legalistic religion. They were, in this context, specifically insisting on circumcision. Now, as far as I know, no one in the church is barracking for or suggesting that we bring that up as a new law. I'm very thankful. Um, but how many of us live our lives our Christian lives, under a kind of burden of guilt and shame? Or how many of us live our lives a little bit self-righteously? Guilt on the one hand and self-righteousness on the other, they're actually part of the same way of life living according to a, a kind of a religious system. Guilt because we're actually sinning, we know we're doing stuff wrong and our conscience is violated. Self-righteousness because maybe we're having some successes and it's puffing us up and we're thinking, you know what, isn't it great that I'm not like that sinner over there, you know? There's the Pharisee in Luke in the, in the Gospel of Luke who stands up and he proudly says, God, I thank you that I'm not like that sinner. I'll be honest, I've caught myself saying stuff like that too, you know. I remember one time, a long time ago, when um, some people I knew, their relationship, you know, romantic relationship was deteriorating. And I remember sort of just proudly thinking to myself, oh, that would never, you know, I would never go there, you know. And I sort of had to realize in subsequent years, you know what, maybe I'm not as immune to the kinds of temptations and the kinds of struggles that they were going through. It doesn't make what they're doing right. 
but my heart at the time was certainly wrong. If we're living in that kind of religious way of being, trying to get to the life of Christ with that religious kind of way of being, I think we can test ourselves by thinking about comparison. Are we making comparisons between ourselves and other people? Self-righteously, like I said, I might be comparing myself and thinking myself superior. But on the other hand, perhaps you look at other Christians around you or you hear someone stand up here and preach about the gospel and preach about the life with Christ and you feel condemned because you're not where you think you should be. Both of those feelings, sort of superiority and self-condemnation, they both, well, they're not coming from the Spirit of God. But there's another way. And this is part of the good news of God. There's a way of freedom from sin and freedom from the burden of performance. And that is the way of life in the Holy Spirit. See, like I said, Paul doesn't just list out bad things and good things. Here's the things you shouldn't do. Here's the things you should do. He hasn't just here given us another law. The contrast is between the ways of life. And so in verses 16 to 18, he says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh, or the sinful nature, desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Just after that, he lists these works of the flesh and then the fruit of the Spirit, and he He closes out this section of his argument by saying, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I think what he means when he says live by the Holy Spirit, live by the Spirit, keep in step with the Spirit, walk in the Spirit, is he means that because God has poured his Holy Spirit out upon each one of us, put his Holy Spirit inside of us, we have intimate, ongoing, and uninterrupted communion with God. We have a relationship with God at every moment of every day in which we can be a participant in a conversation in which we speak and in which we listen. I loved what Rebecca, where is she, over there, brought up. You know, in worship, we can come and we can feel that there's a brick wall in the way, right? We can feel that there's a barrier between us and God. And the truth of the gospel is every barrier has been torn down. There is no separation between us and God because of Jesus Christ and because of the Holy Spirit that lives within us. 
So our communion with God is not a matter of us trying to get through something in order to uh, attain to it. It's a, a matter of us changing our perspective. It's a matter of us looking at the building and refreshing our minds so that actually we know where we're supposed to be going. Jesus said, those who abide in me, and I in them, bear much fruit, because apart from me, you can do nothing. Whether we're living according to the flesh and just indulging, doing whatever sinful things we want to do, or whether we're living according to a striving, legalistic religion... We're trying to do things apart from Christ. And apart from Christ, we can do nothing. Let me illustrate from my own life, okay? The first fruit in this list is love. And that's really what I was supposed to be talking about today, but I've mostly talked about living in the Spirit. Um, As some of you know, Yay for us, Ainsley and I, we bought a house a week and a half ago, pretty cool, and uh, you know, you might not be like me at all, but when I make a big decision for, the, for at least two or three days later, I'm like, did we make the right decision, you know, and then I started thinking about the price, I'm like, did we pay too much, could we have negotiated a bit harder, did we just give in a little bit, da 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 da, da. And then my thoughts started going here, right? Okay, God, if we paid too much, why did we pay too much, you know? Don't you want to, wouldn't you want to kind of bless us with like a really stunning, we could use it as a testimony, you know? Um, We could, you could bless us with like this really cheap price and we could say, wow, look at the blessing. Why, God? You know? And I've said this from the front before. I don't know if this is the voice of God or just my own thoughts, right? But this is what came to me. Um, Maybe it's not about your blessing. Maybe the story of your settlement price is not about Mark and Ainsley being blessed with a cheap house, but about the seller being blessed with a good price. Woo! I don't want to accept that God might call me to that sort of thing, do I? Gee. And I was driving while I was doing this, you know, it's sort of dangerous to talk to God when you're driving. But, um, <clears throat> and I thought in my mind instantly, I thought of 1 Corinthians 13, because I had been planning on speaking about this, that in this message about love, right? Love is patient, love is kind, it doesn't envy or boast, right? And there's one in there. It gets translated different ways. Sometimes it says, love is not self-seeking, love is not self-interested. The phrase that came to my mind was, love does not seek its own. You know, we can live our lives as Christians. Okay, let me put that for a sec. I've got to say one other thing first. Um, I believe that we pray for blessing, right? And I believe that God provides for us. He gives us what we need. I believe that we pray for healing and an abundance of life, okay? So just hear me. I'm not criticizing any of that. 
But what I'm saying is we can live our lives as Christians as if it's all about what God can do for me and decline to notice or decline to walk in the truth that He wants us to become what He is, which is radical, outpouring, abundant life, having, self-giving love. So I'm not a Christian so that I can get a better deal each day. I should be a Christian so that I become the sort of person who wants to give other people the best deal that they can get. Now that, this is, again, this is not one of those testimonies like, yay, Mark. This is, uh, I didn't think that right away. I had to realize that. But, you know, maybe I'm on the road to becoming more like that because in walking with the Holy Spirit and praying and then listening to Him, I've seen an area of my life where there was this little hedge of selfishness around me that was actually way more interested in my own blessing than anything else, right? But here's the good news. I realized this about myself, and I don't feel condemned in it, right? Because there's still no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. I don't need to whip myself uh, in sort of, uh, you know, I can't remember the word for it. doesn't matter. Um, I don't need to beat myself up about not being where I should be. I now get the opportunity because the Holy Spirit is upon me and in me to walk that out. And so now if one of those little niggling thoughts comes to me, you know, maybe we didn't need to pay that much. I could say, God, I thank you so much that you've blessed. I think her name was Leanne. We never met her, right? Uh, I thank you so much that you blessed her. And I call up some of the things I know about her life, right? And I say, thank you that she's done this and that and the other thing. God, I just pray that somehow she would know that this is your blessing upon her. Thank you, God, that you're transforming me so that my heart does not need to be so wrapped up and self-absorbed. Thank you, God, that, that you would use me to pour our blessing on someone else. That is awesome, God. Would you just do it again? Would you do it tomorrow, Lord? Break my heart for what breaks yours. Everything I have, even my mortgage, for your kingdom's cause. So where are we going? We're moving as, as followers of Jesus, as the people of God. We're moving into the fruit of the Holy Spirit. We're going to become more and more like Christ because He wants us to be more and more like Him. That's His purpose in coming, is to make us more and more like Him. And how are we going to get there? We keep in step with the Spirit. We walk with Him. We open ourselves to His voice that in the affairs of our life, there's nothing that's off bounds for God, that actually He can... He can have it, 
and we're willing to give ourselves for Him and for others in all these areas of our lives. The last thing I want to uh, just say is if you haven't encountered the love of Jesus Christ, if you haven't met Jesus, and if you, don't, if you don't believe that you know the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, then I just want you to tap on someone's shoulder after the service. Could be Kevin, who was talking here before. Could be me. Could be Rebecca. And I just want you to ask them to pray for you, okay? And if you're sort of sensing that God's calling you to himself in some greater measure, or maybe even for the first time, I just want you to to open your heart to that. Because the good news is that when we lay our lives down, that's when we find our true life. Let's close in prayer. Father, I thank you for your amazing and awesome grace that you sent your son Jesus to save us. And I thank you that that is uh, the way that we've been saved, but it's also the, it's what we've been saved into, God. That the image in which we've been created to love and be loved is not an image of uh, aggrandizing the self, but it is an image of laying the self down. God, I thank you and I praise you that we have the privilege to walk in the holiness and the power of your spirit. God, would you pour yourself out by your Holy Spirit upon us in a fresh way again? Would you pour yourself out so that the fruit of the spirit that we're going to examine these next weeks, that we would be more and more aware of where the fruit is growing out of our lives. And expose for us, God, those areas where we're not seeing the fruit. But do it, Lord, by uh, encouragement and helping us and, and help us to not feel condemned. Help us to know, God, that your purposes are for us and not against us. And help us, God, to trust in you and to trust ourselves to walking in the power of your spirit. God, I thank you for your faithfulness and that your promises are irrevocable. That you have poured out your Holy Spirit upon us and that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and abundance of life. God, I praise you in the beautiful name of Jesus. Amen. That brings us to the end. So have a wonderful week. Enjoy, etc.